Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. I am so grateful that the Lord has never in any way been limited or stunted by the battles and the challenges that I've had in my life. And he's never stunted and he's never limited by the challenges that you may be going through in your life. Because you know what? The battle does belong to the Lord. God is with us, church. God loves us. God is on our side. God has our back. And he wants to see everyone in this room succeed in life. He wants to see us succeed in life. He wants to see us stay the course. The title of my message today is Stay the Course and Finish the Race Well. You know, this verse that Paul said in Acts 20.24, to me it's been my heartbeat through some of the times where I've gone down slippery roads and I've fell in a dark place. I've always come back to this scripture. Frankly, I do not consider my own life valuable to me so that I can finish the course, so that I can finish the course and complete the ministry which the Lord has given me. Finish the course that the Lord has given me, not the course that's been given to other people, um, and complete the ministry which the Lord Jesus has given me in declaring the good news of the grace of God. So my message today is based around stay the course. So let's just pray and commit it to the Lord. Father, I thank you for this opportunity today. Lord, election is over, God. Our country is in your hand. Our nation is in your hand, Father. And Lord, I just pray that every one of us today will go home, Lord, with just a a certainty in our heart that, God, you are with us, you are for us, um, you're not against us, God, and that we will stay the course and that each person will finish the race well and we will pick up today, Lord, what you've laid into our hands, what you've laid into our heart and our soul, and we will go forward, Lord, and reach our nation for you, Lord Jesus. And we commit that to you, God. Thank you, Lord. You know, it is great. My goal is I'm not at the end of my race yet. Hopefully I've got another 10, 20, 30 years to go. When you see me walking here with a walker and you'll all make room for me and I'll make sure you all look after me really, really well. (laughs) But, you know, sadly in life, not everyone finishes the race well. Not everyone finishes the course that God laid out for them. A few weeks ago, I was talking to a work colleague of mine, Kim Price, his name is, Pastor Kim Price. Many of you may know him. He's planted churches. He's an apostolic leader. Uh, He's a mentor. And he spends most of his senior years now going around helping with governance of other churches and speaking into senior pastors. Now, he sends a, a newsletter out once a month. And in his last newsletter, he wrote in it an article called Be aware of the dumb zone. Be aware of the dumb zone. He said the dumb zone is not where a person along their journey (coughs) makes simple mistakes, (coughs) does some stupid things, uh, or has slight mishaps and falls back. But he said there's a time, you know, all of us at some time in our life, we do great things for God. We do things that are right in the eyes of the Lord. But in other times we do things that are not so good in, in the Lord. But this unwise zone, 
this zone that Pastor Kim calls the dumb zone. It happens when people following the Lord for a period of time, for quite a few years, they start to get complacent. You seem, you know, you're cruising along, you've been serving the Lord, and everything goes well, but you start to become a little complacent. You start to become a little stagnant. You start to become a little bored in everything that is happening around you. And when that begins to happen, what is actually happening is we begin to put our guard down. We begin to get complacent. Everything feels very familiar with us. And we begin to put our guard down. When we put our guard down, our spiritual reservoir starts to subside because we're not feeding in it. We're not putting the time into it. And sometimes when we put our guard down, when we're cruising and we get uh, complacent and we get full of apathy, it's those times that we often make bad decisions. We make unwise decisions that sometimes can have long-term results. Our responsibility, church, we have a responsibility. God is with us. God is for us. He's not against us. But we have a responsibility in our life to ensure that our calling is sure. Yeah. Amen? Yes. You know, every day I have battles and pressures. Honestly, if I look back at the last few weeks and months, it's been like, what a challenging time. But we all have battles. We all have pressures in life. It can be through careers. It can be through business. It can be through family. It can be through plans that you've got for the future. But how we respond, how we respond to those battles that are ahead of us, how we respond, how we make decisions, will determine how we stay on the course and whether we finish the race well. Now, I want you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And we're going to just um, read about one of the battles. In fact, we're going to talk about two of the battles that King Jehoshaphat went through in the Bible. Now, you may say to me, why, Sue, do we go to the Old Testament? You know, we need to remember history so we don't repeat history. And Jehoshaphat is a great example here of what to do and what not to do when you're in a battle. Um, so Jehoshaphat was 35 years old when he became king of Judah. And he started his reign uh, in Jerusalem. He was there for 25 years. So we're going to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And I'm going to read verses 1 to 9 to you. It says here, uh, The armies of the Moabites, the Ammonites, and some of the, I don't know how to say it, Munites, declared war on Jehoshaphat. Messengers came and told him, A vast army from Edom is marching against you from the, beyond the sea. They are already at Hazazan Tama. Jehoshaphat was terrified. He was absolutely petrified by this news. And he begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the town of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Verse 5. Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah in Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord and he prayed. Listen, if there's one thing you take away from here today is take away this prayer that we're about to read. It is so powerful. If I knew when I was a young girl, when I was a teenager and I gave my life to the Lord, if I knew about this prayer, whenever I get through struggles or battles or things were in my face, this is a prayer to read. This is a prayer to declare. He says in verse 6, 
Jehoshaphat prayed, O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. No one. Tell yourself, no one. No one can stand against you. Oh God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? Did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and built this temple to honour your name. And they said, whenever we are faced with calamity, whenever we are faced with calamity, such as war, plague or famine, we can come. We can come and stand in your presence before the temple where your name is honoured. We can cry out to you to save us and you will hear and you will rescue us. What a powerful few verses that is. We have here Jeremiah. He's in a season of life when everything had been going well. Everything had been going crazy for him. And then suddenly his back was up against the wall. He finds out there's going to be an invasion of his kingdom by the opposition. Verses 1 to 2 tell us that there's a vast army coming. A coalition of the army. Um, I did my research and I think it added up to about 1.2 million people. That's a lot of people. That's a big army. That's a quarter of New Zealand, isn't it? Something even less than that. We're coming towards Eden. They were coming from the east to attack the city of Jerusalem. It was coming, and they were coming fast. They were only miles away. Can you imagine what it was like for him? It was only miles away. Just when you think you have everything going good. I mean, he'd been through some battles, which I'll mention in a minute. But just when he thought everything was going good, he said, then this came up. Just when you think everything's going well, the unexpected happens. <laughs> it's not when you know you, you plan that we're going to have a battle here and this is going to happen this time in my life. But it comes when it's least expected. And this battle was only about 25 miles 25 miles away from him. You know, it's interesting. He didn't have too much time to think about this. I mean, if it was me, I'm a strategic person. I would have wanted to get out my paper, my uh, phones, and I would get a strategic plan and work out where my arm was going to go and what angle I was going to come in from. He didn't have time to think. Jehoshaphat didn't have time to plan. He didn't have time to get on Twitter, to get on Instagram, to get on Facebook and see what other people's opinions were. I tell you, a few weeks ago, I got on Facebook, and I wrote some comments. Uh, there was, I very rarely do this, but I decided I would get on Facebook, and I was going to put my opinion. Well, I put quite a strong opinion about our subject. Within, within minutes, I had hundreds of people abusing me. <laughs> people abusing me and I thought oh my gosh and anyway it was only about a day after that my daughter phoned me she said mum she said I saw something about our prime minister on there and she said I put my opinion and she had thousands <laughs> she had literally thousands of comments uh, you know mine were negative hers were quite positive all agreeing with her <laughs> but Joseph, Jehoshaphat didn't have time 
to go to his friends and get an opinion. He didn't have time to go to the counsellor, the psychotherapist, the clinical psychologist. He didn't have time to go to the church leader. It says to us here that in verse 3 to 4, Jehoshaphat was terrified by the news, but he pressed into God. He went to God to ask for help. He went to God to ask for direction. It says he was terrified. Can you imagine? He wasn't just, oh, this military army's coming and I'm going to slaughter it. He was terrified. And in the Hebrew, that word of fear that when he was so terrified there, the word fear is the same as Adam and Eve went through when they were in the gun. They were absolutely terrified when they realised what they did was wrong. I got lost in the Waitaki Ranges in the bush when I was seven years old. I still remember being terrified. Absolutely terrified. I remember we were playing hide and seek on the pathway, going through the bush. I decided to be smart, as Sue does sometimes, and I took off in a different direction. I ended up deep in the bush. Five hours later, they found me. Uh, and, but the t that feeling of out of control, it was out of my control. I couldn't do anything about it. They're so fearful. Josh, Jehoshaphat was exactly the same. But do you know what? That battle coming, that army coming, that news, didn't make him run from God. It made him press into God. We need to, when those things come up in our lives, we need to press into God. And that's exactly what he did. And I love that about him. He sought God's face when an unexpected thing took place. Do we seek God's face or do we seek other people's opinions? If everyone's got opinion. We've all got opinions. Everyone's got opinions when something comes up. But you know, the thing is about it with King Jehoshaphat, he wasn't always like this for him. He didn't always make the right call. He didn't always focus on God. If you go two chapters back, and we're not going to go back and read it all, we'll be here till two o'clock or maybe till the rugby game's on at four, but about... Church. Church. Church is on. Church is on. That's right. Church is on. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I'm in trouble now. Anyway, so let's get back here. About two chapters back, and he wasn't in a rugby game, Jehoshaphat started to compromise. He started to compromise his godly standards. He didn't focus on God first. Jehoshaphat was pretty cruisy two chapters back. He had everything going for him. He was a really influential king. He was faithful to God. In fact, they don't say he was the greatest scholar. They don't say he was the greatest soldier. But he was the one who was really faithful to God. And he was really influential influential in gathering people. He even put together a teaching program about the commandments of the God and he had them distributed all around Judah to all his people. Not everyone followed the Lord, but he did as much as he could to bring the commandments of God to his people. Um, and so Jehoshaphat, here we have him now. He, everything was cruisy for him, but he put his guard down doesn't say Jehoshaphat had got complacent. It doesn't say he was in familiarity. But for some reason here, two chapters back, he decides to form an alliance with King Ahab. Now, King Ahab is the king of Israel. Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah. Hey, why would you do that? 
King Ahab sent him an invitation to go to a party. He wanted to form an alliance, a coalition with Jehoshaphat. Why would Jehoshaphat do that? He chose to build an unhealthy alliance with someone who totally did not follow God's commandments. You know, it's all about compromising. He was sitting sweet. Jehoshaphat was sitting sweet. You know, he, and he takes up this invitation. He goes to, to this party down with uh, King Ahab. And King Ahab, uh, he was using this for a purpose. He wanted Jehoshaphat and his army to fight a battle with him. He wanted them to get, form a coalition. I mean, we're saying for someone that loves God, forming a coalition with someone who doesn't, that's compromising God's standards. That's got nothing to do with, you know, it says in 2 Corinthians 6, 4, about not being unequally yoked. We're not talking about marriage here. In fact, that scripture is talking about being together with other people that are ungodly, that are going to just drag you down. They're just going to be company that are going to drag you down, that are going to make you compromise. So we see that happening here with Jehoshaphat. And so King Ahab, he decided he was going to ask Jehoshaphat to join this army to fight against Ramoth Gilead. This time, he didn't turn to God. Jehoshaphat turned around and he said, well, what shall I do? He scratched his head and thought, what shall I do here? I've been asked to fight that battle. You know, we have enough battles of our own, let alone fight other people's battles. Don't you think we have enough that come along? So he decided, well, I'll ask God what to do. So he said to King Ahab, do you have some godly people, prophets, that can tell? Of course Ahab did. He had prophets that would be coercive, that would say what he wanted them to say. And so these prophets said, sure thing, Jehoshaphat. It's the right thing for you to do, to go out and join us and fight. We'll win this battle. And then Jehoshaphat must be getting a bit nervous, must have had a little bit of conviction. He said, no, it's there's someone else that can help. And another prophet called Micaiah, I think that's how you pronounce it, he came up with a prophetic warning. And he said, I don't think this is a good thing. Yeah, you may, you wouldn't have fight, all right, ha ha. He said, this is not a good move. Do you know what? Jehoshaphat heard the word of God, but he ignored it. Step number two. Step number one, he got cruisy. He began to compromise his godly standards. Number two, he heard the word of God. He heard the reply, but he ignored it. When you pray to God and you ask God to help you, you pray to God for directions. He gives you directions. He offers you help. Do not ignore what the Lord God says. That was a bad move for him to do that. So he, firstly, he built an unhealthy alliance. He compromised. He heard the word of God, didn't take any notice, and he went out to fight this battle. Sometimes, my friends, I think there's people in here too, you need to know that the, you need to choose your battles. You need to pick your battles. We cannot fight everyone else's battle. My personality and my gifting is to be a rescuer. Sometimes I'm always trying to rescue people. I'm always trying to help them with their battle and their challenges that come along. But the problem is our energy gets depleted. Our reservoir, our spiritual reservoir within us gets low. And then bang, along comes the unexpected and we're not prepared for it. The other mistakes he made. And Jehoshaphat, 
sadly went into the dump zone that Pastor Kim taught about. When someone has been walking in the light on the journey for a few years, you take your eyes off God. You lose your focus because you get so complacent. You get so familiar with what's going on. Amen, I've been there. When I wrote this message, it was the hardest message for me to write because I'm preaching to myself. And you know, the thing is when we get our energy gets low, our reservoir gets low, and we haven't been tanked up by the Word of God, we haven't been tanked up by the Holy Spirit, we haven't been tanked up with prayer, we leave ourselves vulnerable, we put our guard down. And he did, he went into the dump zone. But you know, God is a redeeming God. God is a God of restoration. God is a God that rebuilds better than the former. And look, God looked down, he knew Jehoshaphat's heart. He was a faithful man. He did have a heart after God. And I'm sure he's sitting in that dump zone with a repentive heart, with a contrite heart saying, God, I'm so sorry, and really meaning that. And you know what? God took him back out. God was going to use those mistakes he made. God was going to take those and use them to bring out the best in Jehoshaphat and get him back on course so that he could fulfill the race. God will use any of those situations we go through, my friends. He will use it to, to bring the best out of us, bring the best out of us and make it, help us to last the course and finish the distance. So coming back to 2 Chronicles 20, that's been and gone. Jehoshaphat got his life together, had to build credibility and trust with his people again. But he says to himself here now in chapter 20, I'm not going to make those mistakes again. A failure is never a failure if we learn from it. We have to learn from it. We have to grow from it. So what are the lessons we learn from Jehoshaphat? He says in verse 3 to 4, fix your attention on God. Don't put our guard down. The alert system came on, verse 3 to 4, and he basically said, no, I'm not going to compromise or listen to others this time. So he decided to seek the Lord's advice. In other words, he fixed his attention. He focused on God. He ran to God. He did not put his guard down. We cannot let our spiritual reservoir get down, get empty, and then our guard's down, and the enemy comes in like a flood in a battle to slaughter us. Romans 12, 1 to 2, really, uh, in the Message Bible, sums it up really good. Here's what we should do. God helping you, take your everyday, take your ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work, walking around, your life and place it before God as an offering. Embrace what God does for you. It's the best thing you can do. Embrace God. If you have to shout out to God, I remember being in such a bad patch years ago, I remember picking up a, a glass on my table and just throwing it at the wall because I was so angry with God. And you know, God just didn't take any notice of that. He said, just, just embrace me. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was the last thing I felt like doing. But I did. I realised, Sue, something's desperately wrong here and I need to embrace God. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture. Don't compromise. When you're stuck in that place where you've got to make a major decision, and some of you are there now, and you've got to make a decision, but you've got this choice and you've got that choice. Don't conform to the ways of the world. Don't conform. God does not want that. Don't get so adjusted to the culture you're going to compromise the principles that you have been taught. 
taught by your parents, principles taught by your teachers, principles taught by your mentor, principles taught by God. Don't compromise them. Compromise is the beginning of going down a slippery slope. So firstly, the lesson we learn, fix our attention on God. Secondly, ask God for direction. Ask. You have not because you ask not. Ask God for um, direction. He was ready to listen and ask God for direction. It says that he gathered his people of Judah and Jerusalem to fast and seek the Lord's help. He had his back against the wall. He had nowhere to go. He didn't have time to plan, to strategize. And he asked God, when you ask God, don't ignore his reply. Don't ignore his reply. You may be thinking, well, God, I don't know if this, I don't know if this is God speaking to me or who's speaking to me. If you're not sure what you're hearing is from God, ask someone trustworthy. Don't ask someone like King Ahab. He's the wrong place to go. Don't ask those friends that are trying to turn your life around and tell you that the God you follow, you know, is all in the air. That's not the right thing to do. You follow the Spirit. Follow God's direction. Ask for direction. Thirdly, be honest with God. Be totally honest with God. I find it really easy, actually, to just spill it all out to God. I think he must, how he has the patience and grace to put up with me, I do not know. But it's really important, verses 4 to 5 to 12, where he prays that powerful prayer. Basically, he's been brutally honest with God and brutally honest with the people. He says he cannot fight this battle. He cannot win this battle without their help, without God's help. You know, when we're in troublesome times, we're not, it is not the time to isolate ourselves. It is not the time. Some people switch off. I have a dear friend, every time something comes up, she either blames the church or she switches off. Wrong, wrong thing to do. You just don't isolate yourself. He admitted in front of God and his people that he was powerless. He was powerless. You know what? It actually takes an act of courage to be honest and transparent. You know, there is nothing worse... For me, when I hear someone has fallen in grave sin and they're only sorry because they got caught, I would rather a person would come and say, Sue, I've really messed it up. This is what I've done. I'm like that. I will be transparent. I've learnt the hard way. You know, if I'm having a problem or struggling, I go and talk to someone about it. Because when you talk to someone about it, the devil can't play with it. When you keep it in the dark... When you keep it in the night, it's just going to fester. It's just going to grow. And we have to be open and transparent. And, you know, there are people around to help you. You know, be transparent with God, but be transparent with someone you trust. You know, the Bible says there's wisdom in the counsel of many. Go to people you can trust. See, I think victory is not about self-reliance. I think victory is about having a contrite heart. It's about being transparent and being humble because God draws to a contrite heart. In Isaiah 66, verse 2, I will bless those who have a humble and a contrite heart and who tremble at my word. That contrite is a bit of a, 
I'm a Westie. That word was very hard for me to understand when I was a teenager. But a contrite heart is really talking about the inner, inner will of a person. When that inner will of us has been crushed, when it has been broken, when it has been hurt, or it's just really grieving, basically a contrite heart is saying, we'll no longer run after the things that we want, but we will surrender to the things that God wants. See, Jehoshaphat, when he went in the dumb zone, he couldn't do it anymore. He couldn't do it anymore. He had to surrender, I would say, and give it to God. So a contrite heart. I will bless those who have a humble, a contrite heart and who tremble at my word. It's basically saying that we're no longer going to run after the things we want, but we're going to surrender to the things that God wants. Amen? Fix our attention on God. When the battle comes... When it's too tough for you, and you say, I just can't make it anymore. I can't do it on my own. I haven't got the strength in me. Uh, I, I need my spiritual reservoir filled, God. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with the power of the Holy Spirit. I can't do it. It's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And you know, we cry out. We fix our attention on God. We ask God for directions. We be honest with God. And then, you know what God says? We stand Firm. Verses 15 to 17. I think I only have 17, but we'll put it up, Sam. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 15 to 17. Jehoshaphat, the Lord says to him, Listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, all you people of Huapai and Faith Point. Listen. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but it's God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Sis, I think you say that, at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel. But you will not even need to fight. Can you imagine fighting a battle when you didn't even have to fight? You didn't have to pick up a sword. You didn't have to do anything. That would suit me. I'd be able to sit there. Take your positions. <laughs> the Lord says, I don't mean my position with my coffee and ginger nuts, but take your position. I'm losing it now. Where am I? Then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. After having done all, stand still, everyone. Don't get frustrated. Don't com compromise. Don't think, I'm just going to do it. Blow the lot of them. He says, take your position then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. He is with you, O people of Huapai. He's with you, O people of Faith Point. He's with you, all the visitors and guests that are here today. He is with you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out against him tomorrow. For the Lord is with you. The battle belongs to the Lord. Stand firm. Stand still. And watch the victory. I'm this old woman nearly, 69 in December 70 next year. And I'm this old woman. And I'm still standing firm. And I still make mistakes. But we've got to get up. We've got to get up. We've got to get others to get beside us and help us and encourage us. And, you know, the battle's never over, but the battle belongs to the Lord. Let's not get in his way. Yes. Don't get in his way and try and do it yourself. You'll just mess it all up. 
God is on our side. Oh. Oh. God is for us. God is not against us. He has our back. He has our back. I love those NCI movies where one goes in the house with his gun and the other says, I've got you. I've got your back today. Oh, I get all excited in the movies when that happens. Gosh, I get myself sidetracked, don't I? You know, the rest in this passage is history. You need to go home and study it. But in the last few verses of that chapter 20, they didn't need to go out with their armour and their swords and their weapons. Verse 21 to 25 tells us that Joseph had, Jehoshaphat sent out in front of his army the children, the boys and girls and the women, and he formed a choir. This choir went out in front of the battle. They led Jehoshaphat's soldiers and they sung praises to God. They gave thanksgiving. They didn't give it at the end of the battle when they won. They gave it at the beginning. And we need to be doing that. We need to come in here and, and uh, when we're here on a Sunday, when we're at home during the day, before our day starts, before the challenges come, give it to the Lord. Sing praises to him. Sing thanksgiving to him. If you can't sing, shout it out. He doesn't care what note we're in. He really doesn't care. <laughs> oh, that's prophetic today, isn't it? <laughs> and he sends them ahead. He sends him ahead. And, you know, Jehoshaphat looked across that battlefield to see the 1.2 million soldiers. And he saw every one of them dead on the ground. Because while people were standing firm and standing still, the Spirit of God went out. And there were three armies remembering that the Spirit of God turned the armies against each other. They got confused and chaotic. I say, it must have been chaotic. And they just wiped each other out. And there was no one left for them to fight. Isn't that great? Yeah. Let's give the Lord a shout. Yes. Yes. It's our responsibility, church, to ensure our calling is sure. It's our responsibility to stay on course. And if we can't stay on course... Talk to God. Talk to others. Don't isolate ourselves. We've got a battle to fight. In New Zealand, we've got a battle to win. The world's falling apart, but God's army belongs to God. God will have his way. Focus your attention on the Lord. Ask and respond. Don't ignore when he answers. Approach God with an honest and a contrite heart, and we will be able to stand firm and watch what God can do. Acts 20, 24 to close. I do not consider my own life valuable to me so long as I can finish my course. Not finish other people's course, but finish the course that God has given me and complete that ministry, that ministry that God calls each one of us to in declaring the gospel and declaring the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ooh. Amen. Amen. You know, let's all stand. Let's all stand, church. You know, some of you today, this is a prophetic word for you. You're in the middle of a battle. In fact, some of you are fighting a battle you're never called to fight. You're never called to fight that battle. For some of you, you need to let go of that battle. For others, you need to pick up the baton. For others, you need to pick up the baton and do it. 
But there are people here that are really struggling. God says the battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. I want every eye closed. If if you're in the middle of a battle today, I want you to raise your hand. Just raise your hand high. You're struggling, your hands going up everywhere. That's right. We're being honest with God here. We're not messing around with God here. Only God can save. Only God can heal. Only God can deliver. Father, Lord Jesus, I pray for every hand that's risen. God, I pray. I want people just to um, pray with me. Uh, Father, Lord Jesus, we come to you tonight. And, and God, we give this battle to you. God, we no longer try to make it work. But God, we surrender it. We put it into your hands, God. We say, God be God. Have your way, Lord. God, speak into my life. Fill me with your spirit. Fill my reservoir. May it be overflowing, Lord Jesus. Thank you, mighty God. Let your will be done. Let your will be done, I pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. That's it. That's it. Let it go. Let it go. Yeah.